Episode 57, title, Thriving in Unpredictable Times, interview with John Sanders, brought to you by Go Legal Yourself, an online business providing real legal tools for savvy entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Go Legal Yourself podcast. This show is about knowing the legal life cycle of your business. I'm your host, Attorney Kelly Bagler, the Queen of Business Law. You can interact with us on social media and do find us on the web at golegalyourself.com. Back by popular demand, I will be interviewing John Sanders once again, the entrepreneur and investor. Welcome to the show, John. Well, good to see you, Miss Kelly. Good to be here one more time. Absolutely. Back by popular demand. Well, I like to hear that. How popular? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, I'm sure we'll soon find Overwhelming. out. Overwhelming. <laughs> yes. But the, uh, the audience that's listening right now, they definitely need to go and listen to episode 43. That's when we first had you on. And we were talking about your favorite thing, money. Money. That's right. <laughs> well, it's up there at the top anyway. <laughs> it, it is. You're right. It is. Well, John, we do ask our guests to share their favorite attorney joke with us. Do you have one? No, it's the same as last time. Attorneys are not funny. Oh, well, there you go. That That's kind of funny in itself. <laughs> All righty. Well, last time we interviewed you, we were talking about uh, money and where to find it. And we got so many downloads on that, John. It was, it was very, very popular. Uh, you are also no, known as a hobby investor, are you not? That is correct. I'm Share not an angel investor. Share I'm with not us an angel what investor. Well, if, if people have hobbies, it's things they like to do because they want to do them. And I like investing because I like interacting with small companies. And uh, I consider my hobby investing, I don't want to tell the uh, companies this, but it's like an expenditure. It's like going to Las Vegas or it's like going to a movie or buying something because I want it. It's, it's my hobby. Yes, but before you're you're not Mister Moneybags, right? So we're, we're, people don't come to you and say, "Oh, you know, he's Mister Moneybags. He's like an ATM machine, and we'll we'll take what we want." You actually, John, you have been an entrepreneur all your life. You have some experience. You, you've got vast amounts of experience, and there are certain things that you look for in a business before you even consider investing. Can you? Can you just list maybe three things that you think of? Sure. So my, my little 17-second uh, presentation at the Chamber of Commerce around the table, you know, as they say, you do everything in 17 seconds. I think, uh, I'm John Sanders. I'm an electrical engineer by training. Uh, I'm an old man now. I don't have that many more years. Yeah, I'm over 80, so uh, I'm not making 10-year deals anymore. So, um, uh, and... I am a strategic advisor or management of entrepreneurial companies. And uh, so I like working on the business strategy. And if we come up with a good strategy, I'll invest in it. That's how it goes. 
I love the reason I love technology companies in general is because technology companies do not have a limit on how they think they can grow. Otherwise, they have an infinite potential, which the most of them do. It's limited more by the management and by their strengths than it is by any other factor. As composed, as compared to a pizza shop on the corner, whose goal is to make enough money and have enough extra food to feed his family and grow his family, and really doesn't plan to much to grow beyond the real estate that he has. So that's kind of the two ends of the spectrum. So I look for those entrepreneurial companies that can grow infinitely. Fantastic. And John, you and I are having this conversation in these unpredictable times right now. And what I mean by that is there's this global pandemic and it's it really just came out of nowhere and literally has crippled hundreds of businesses. Like you said, well, it's done. It's done. It, it's done irreparable damage to the United States economy. Now it a, could be come back, but things will not come back that could have come back. And you're you're watching the restaurants drop off the the, the cliff every day, and uh, uh, that's that's not a major part of the economy, but tourism and all that is. And uh, uh, it's it's hard to know just how it's going to come back. And, of course, we put ourselves another $3 trillion in debt. So who knows how that's going to play out? I'm, I'm with you, too. Um, sometimes I'm sort of like speechless as to what is being aired on TV. And it's really, you know, you're sort of hard-pressed to find some accurate news where you can get some straight talk. But I'm reaching out to you today, John, is because you're a trusted source You've um, you've experienced a lot of things in your business career, and I wanted to ask you, as a seasoned entrepreneur, how how can businesses thrive in these times? Well, let's let me let me go back to your your initial um, title, thriving in unpredictable times. So my immediate response about that is, is all times are unpredictable. There is no prediction that has a high degree of accuracy until you get there. So the world, uh, my feeling is, is that the world in general does operate on extrapolated curves. We all think this is the way it's going, and therefore we just project the future extending the curve. That's what extrapolation means. And so that's especially true in the stock market where we extrapolate the curve on the companies and say, here's the points. This is what they've done for the last three quarters. This is what we project for the future. And we just kind of extend the curve. I'm going to come back to the stock market stuff a little bit later on because I got something else to follow on with. So I want to invoke my past brokerage partner and my mentor, Sid Wachtel, who died about 10 years ago. Sid was trained as an economist back in the 1930s during the Depression. He was in graduate school at New York University in the late 30s. And his graduate work, he did trading for a, his major professor who had a small technology fund in the late 30s. And Sid was involved in that. And that grew his love for, for uh, technology companies. Of course, then he got drafted in World War II and um, is a statistician. He worked uh, for the military air transport systems, METS, in which he did all the analysis on how to maximize the use of airplanes. 
That's technique is still used in trains, airplanes today. Uh, Amazon uses it. Everybody uses the same statistic to statistical analysis. So after the World War II, he got a job with the Treasury Department in international bonds. And he did that for three or four years and then decided it was time to start his own stock brokerage firm because he loved the, the, uh, the small companies. So that was 1960. And uh, the uh, market was pretty good in 1960, and he had some, some good uh, starts, one of which was uh, the, uh, with Melpar, which was the largest engineering company in Washington, D.C., where he was. And they started the 2020 Investment Club. This was 20 guys putting in $20 a month into the pot. Now, I met Sid in 1964 when I started work in, in Washington through my supervisor, who was one of the 2020 club members. And he had been in one of these companies that sold out in the early 60s. So I went to the meeting one night, and it turns out the 2020 club was then the four sporadic club, four guys sporadically putting a few bucks in. <laughs> and I got intrigued. And we reconstituted and got it back up to, I don't know, 10 or 15 fellows, all of us, either agency folks or engineers, and had a good time because we'd meet monthly, have dinner, shoot the breeze, and then figure out what we're going to put some money into. But Sid's favorite statement, as an economist, he said uh, he, he really understood the market. He understood people and how they acted. And his statement was always, when the curve can be realistically extrapolated, the forces are already in motion to change the curve. So if gold is going up, there's already people selling into it, as well as people buying. It is already being changed. And this is what Dr. Fauci these days says about his erroneous projections of the, of the size of the, uh, uh, of the market. He says he put out all these prognostications, and people did, in fact, flatten the curve. So we're not getting the deaths that were predicted. Now, you can go back and forth on this as to whether that's true or not. But there's some semblance of truth to it when I take Sid's thing that if we if we know there's going to be bad stuff, we'll change our habits and we'll change it to be different. There you go. So just how much we change it and how bad it would be, we'll never know. So here's my general answer, whether it's a company or whether it's an individual, how do you deal with uncertainty? Number one rule, have reserves. Stay out of debt and have reserves. There is no substitute for that. But so, John, John, that yeah. there are so many Americans and businesses for that matter that have no savings. No. When these restaurants, when they close the restaurants, half of them are out of business in the first month. It's, no shocking. it's shocking to me, John. How can anyone run a business, in even a household, without any reserves? That's the number one rule in business, in budgeting, is at least have six months, six months of expenses saved up. Well, when you get started, you have nothing. So that's kind of hard to do. But you, you should figure out a budget as to how you siphon it off so you get one month then two months and three, and aim toward six months. Right. Now, if, you, if you're running a business and you have no income coming in, that's hard to have reserves for that. But I will commend the federal government. They've come through with the, what is it, the PPP? Yes. To help, to help pay for protection. employees or keep them on payroll. 
Yes. And in yes. fact, um, uh, one of the companies, I, both of the three of the companies have already gotten their checks and it's going to make a difference for the next two or three months. They can keep people on. That really is unusual. Yes. And um, yes. so my point is I have about 20% of my portfolio. I'm fortunate. I made some money along the way, had a couple of good deals. And um, I've got about 20% of my money, total money in cash and gold. I have some gold these days. You talk about being prepared and having reserves. They're all in gold coins, though, because they're they're uh, easily marketable. Right. So, but see, my in in my wife and I both had money when we married, so we had some savings, and we combined them, and we had more savings. So, we were able to buy a house about six months after we married, and uh, we lived in it for thirty years. By the way, while other people in the neighborhood upgraded, we kept our minimal. And the nice thing is my wife grew up on a farm, so she understood good years and bad years. And you always have to prepare for the bad years. So as a kid, there was never anything I needed I didn't get. But things I wanted came during the good years. The same thing my wife was growing up. They bought stuff in the good years. They hunkered down in the bed. You know what hunkered down means? Yes. <laughs> you do? Yeah, I do. From I England? Do. <laughs> how do you spell it? You know how you spell hunker down? Is it honk uh, down? <laughs> H-U-N-K-E-R. Hunker. Hunker down. Isn't that I what had we to, I had to look it up to make sure. I'll, I'll look it but up. Hunker, hunker down is a great term. You just, when things are look like they're going to bed, hunker down. Don't spend that money. Save it. So let me tell you, this is not the first time. In the Old Testament, Joseph who, now this goes back about 3,000 years. Yes. His brothers didn't like him because he was a young, the young kid in the family, and dad liked him better than the others. Remember he gave him the coat of many colors? Yes. They, that pissed him off, okay? So they sold him to some traders from Egypt, and off he went to be a slave in Egypt. Yes. So he, won, he, he, was, he was always a very smart kid. And the Pharaoh, I've forgotten the story exactly how he got to the Pharaoh, but the Pharaoh called him in because he was having bad dreams and asking him to, to analyze the dreams. And the solution, solution he came up with, he says, the prediction is you're going to have seven good years of growth and seven years of famine. Get ready for the famine. And the Pharaoh took it to heart, put him in charge of the warehouses, had him collect all the extra grain. They saved the grain. During the seven bad years, Egypt had stuff and nobody else did. Egypt cleaned up. Yes. Remember his, I won't go into it, but his father and, family, and the older brothers came and didn't recognize him at first until he introduced himself to them. So there's nothing new about having unpredictable times, unless you've got some good dreams and somebody to interpret them. But there's good years and there's bad years. So you, in business as well as in, as a person, you have to assume that bad times are coming. You can't just put your head in the sand and say life is good, it's going to continue. Whether your health, I say this to small companies, when they say, you know, what 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 makes them risky? I said, well, when the entrepreneur gets sick, what do we do? You know, if you die, fine. I can reassure against that. Getting sick, we're in trouble. And that's the biggest risk in small business. So, but you know, there's a similar parable in, parables in the New Testament. New Testament's tougher. 
So my one of my favorite, in fact, it's one I base my whole investment philosophy on is the parable of the talents. I won't go through that today. We do that. We'll save that for another uh, episode. You got it. You got it. But fundamentally, the talent was a measure of money. So the master, when he went away to, to go on a big trip, he called in three of his servants and he gave them different amounts based on his, his an analysis of their ability. He said, I'll be back for an accountant. When he came back, the top two guys said, here, I've made a bunch of money for you. Here's what's yours. And he's put them in charge of different things. The guy that the, the lowest graded one had only got one talent came in and said, master, I knew you were a tough SOB. It's not exactly Jesus words, but you got to turn. You got I, to know. John, I remember seeing those words in the Bible somewhere. They're there. They're there. <laughs> There, I think it's a different translation. It's the, <laughs> the King Sanders translation. <laughs> so you've heard of King James. This is a King Sanders. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. So, so, but the conclusion when they took the talent from the one, oh, by the way, you know, when he said, all right, told the other servants, take the talent from the helmet that has one and give it where? Where do you think he had him give it? To that, the man that has 10, the big guy, run with the winner. That's what Jesus said. Yeah. I like that. I like running with runners. Me so too. anyway, Me the, the conclusion was, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Don't, don't ever be the one that has little that gets taken away. So this, th- th- those are the words in the New Testament. By the way, that's my conclusion is so much for socialism. Right. Jesus was tough. <laughs> right? Exactly. So this really says that in bad times, the people that have reserves and have money will have flexibility and be able to grow and do things and take advantage of the situation. For those that have little are going to fall down, fall further. They fall through the cracks. Our society tries to keep that from happening. Now they got now the crack is so wide they're keeping anybody from doing anything. They're giving so much out. So most money is made in the bad times, and the reason is you invest in the bad times, you cash out in the good times. The good times, just like the Egyptian pharaoh. So, but you mentioned three other titles, three other possibilities for discussing that were uh, that that you sort of started off with. One of them was how to save for a rainy day, how to create a contingency plan, how to diversify your portfolio. We'll get into yeah. portfolio on the next one after the next one. You got so, it. <laughs> I've discussed portfolios forever. I love discussing that. So you want me to take a crack at them in summary? All of them are answered by having reserve capital. That is the number one key thing. You can do what you want to with 70, 67% of your portfolio. Even if it goes to zero, you still got 40% left. So the, and, and things aren't going to go to zero. So whatever you, whatever you do in life, figure out how to not spend all the money coming in. What, however small it is. There's another story in the New Testament. Remember about the widow's mite in the temple? The rich guys were coming in, putting their money in. Here comes the, the little widow, always a widow. Oh, oh the widow with her hoodie on or whatever, and she drops the two mites, about the smallest, it's like two pennies, into the thing. 
and and the, the rich guys kind of poo-pooed it, and Jesus says, wait a minute. You all have just given a portion of your wealth. This woman has given all she can. Her her contribution is greater than all of you. By the way, that's in the Luke 21, 1 to, 1 to 4. I looked it back up again. So, even in today's in, in in today's environment, how bad do you think things can get? I go back to my mentor, Sid Wachtel. Sid said that investing, that the key to investing was to analyze how irrational can the irrational people really get? Because it's the two ends of the spectrum that you make the most money. So in today's world, you look out there and you see the people that are scared of their shadow and want to shut down everything. Some of them are even governors. And there's others that say we can take a calculated amount of risk. So the irrational people want to shut it down forever until it's got absolutely perfect. Ain't going to happen. That doesn't make sense whatsoever. So you have to take risk in life. And the question is, how much risk can you do? So you minimize the risk, and I think they're doing a good job because uh, we have, uh, I'll knock on wood or whatever, here at Carlsbad by the sea where I live, there are, and we have no no, uh, no uh, positives from, okay. man, from workers or from residents. So we hope to continue that, but we've done a lot. Dining room's closed. Uh, we wear our mask when we're in the building. They got wipes everywhere to wipe stuff down. The staff does it. There's no more visitors into the place. Can he bring family members in? So you do the mitigation that's not disastrous, and uh, uh, you do what you can. But they're irrational people that just go off the deep end, and that's what we have these days. So how do you determine which are the irrational people and how far will they take it? I don't know. Fortunately, I'm not in the decision process. I'd like to be in a decision process, but I'm just sitting down here looking out at the beach, getting ready to go walking after this is over with. That's my next, that's my next move in life. You so, know, John, you, you're someone that has done it right. You know, you've, you've, um, you weren't born with a, uh, a silver spoon in your mouth. You have had your own trials and tribulations and you've done it right in, in a sense where you are comfortable now in your golden years, that's where you want to be comfortable. That's where you want to not, you know, think about where your next food's coming from or your next amount of checks coming from, right? So anyone that's listening to this particular episode right now, the big takeaway from this, and I've had other guests on also, John, and these experts have said, Reserves, reserves, reserves. Even if you get, you, you're making $3,000 a month, right? Take something out of that. Don't just spend all of it. Automatically take something out and keep putting it away in your savings account. Do something. Figure out how to spend less. Yes. Yes. There you go. There you go. Learn how to create a budget for God's sake, right? This is, this is the number one thing that schools need to be teaching their kids is how to budget. One, what is a budget? And two, how do you budget? It's not being taught in schools. So reserves, 
must have reserves. It's, it's for not just for yourself, but the future of your family as well. Well, and if you're in business, the same thing. You got to have money set aside. And this is one of the reasons if, if you read my book again, which you should for about the third or fourth time, uh, parables for entrepreneurs, I make the point in there that one of the reasons small companies, in my opinion, should get outside investment early is that creates a reserve. Because now when you're really in trouble, if all you've got is your own resources, then that's all you got. If you have outside investors, you now have a mechanism to go for new capital from people that see you've done a good job, but you've hit unfortunate circumstances, and they're willing to back you now because they backed you before. So that's the best reserves you can ever have in a small company. But that's hard to get people who want to own 100% of their deal to think about. You're smart and gold legal yourself to have have made that decision. There you go. There you go. I was going to ask you what's the one piece of advice that you could give uh, to entrepreneurs, and it's exactly that, really. It's have reserves. Yeah, and 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 the reason I like there's several reasons I like outside investors. It so happens I'm one of them, but outside investors, especially if you get ones that understand your business. They can be a great resource of knowledge and helping in the strategy, but they are that ultimate reserve when things really get in trouble, not for your fault, but for circumstances beyond your control. That's the ultimate reserve that you've got in your business. And I, I prophesy that all the time. It's one of the number one reason to get outside investment, present day capital, but also reserves for the future. John, if you could do it all over again, what would that one thing be that you would do differently? Uh, I, you don't want to know something? I was not born, with a, by the way, with a silver spoon in your mouth, if you're referring to, uh, to President um, uh, Bush. But I was, we were born in the middle. My dad was a city employee. So we grew up in a, the neighborhood. There wasn't rich and poor. We were all the same. Nobody had any money back in the 30s and 40s. Uh, and uh, so we all grew up the same. But I was fortunate that my dad was worked for the city, but very entrepreneurial. And he did do some outside consulting. And there was one year where he made some real extra money. It was the only vacation we took as a family. That year he took some of that money and we took a vacation. And um, uh, other than that, all we did was visit relatives. So I look back on it. I just went from one thing to another. I did stuff that I liked. I went from the government. Well, I went from engineering school to General Electric, then back to graduate school. Then I worked for the government for five years. And then I met my uh, uh, my mentor, Sid Wachtel, and joined his brokerage firm. We did that for 20 years. Then I invested in a newspaper. And then I became a chairman and CEO of the newspaper. We changed the name. I bought some of the people out. They had a bunch of investors. And we built it up, and we sold it to the Washington Post in 1996. And guess when I bought my first boat and, and golf clubs? 1996. <laughs> <laughs> bought boat, golf clubs, and a vacation home. So, And still had money left over. So um, it's been a great – I don't have any major changes. Been married for 52 years. Can't I can't change that one anyway. So uh, <laughs> the uh, – and we're living, God, I'm living in paradise. Yeah, so one, of the, we, one of the best yeah. suggestions, one of the other suggestions I can make is live a long life. Then you got more time to, to accumulate money. 
There you go. So I was I'm, gonna- I'm 81. I'll be 82 in August. Yes. I can't believe it. I feel like, I feel like I'm 50. But my real conclusion is 81 is the new 79. It ain't the new 60. <laughs> Fantastic, John. You you look incredible. You are um, smart as hell, if I can say that. And, you know, you, you're just a, an incredible resource to have. Um, as I'm saying that. Well, did, we answer our que- did, we, did we answer our question? Absolutely, we did. Absolutely, we did. Yes, you, you hit it right on the head. And you gave us examples, great examples, by the way. Tell the audience how they can get in touch with you. JohnSanders.com. There are many John Sanders in the world, but there's only one JohnSanders.com. There you, you go, go there to my website. You got my parables for entrepreneurs. You can print it. You can print it down, read it, tear it up, throw it away, or you can even listen to it on my website. I've podcasted the uh, the, the the book, so you can read it in chapters. My phone number is on there, and my email is on there. But if you don't want, just go to johnsanders.com. It's all there. There you go. And we will have your information on our show notes as well, John. And like before, it, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. And, and again, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And I have my next two lined up. You got it. You got it. We'll, we'll get you back on the schedule because you are a wanted man. That's, All right, that's, my that's dear. Said, you, you take care. You too, John. That's said in a good way. <laughs> so for the All rest right. of the rest of the audience, uh, feel free to go to golegalyourself.com. Definitely get the app. Go to your app stores. Get Go Legal Yourself. And you can leave us comments and provide us feedbacks right from the app. And remember, the only way you become successful is if you make today the day you go legal yourself. I am Attorney Kelly Bagler, the Queen of Business Law. And until next time, cheers to your success.